You're listening to the Wizard Factory Audio Podcast, streaming now from Spotify, iTunes, and other major platforms. Welcome back to another episode of the Wizard Factory Podcast. My name is Logan Hart. This is Brian Easterday. And uh, tonight's episode, entitled Beyond Black and White, Transcending Dialectic Thinking. Um, This is a very important topic that we're very excited to dive into because it it really has so many implications. And, um, you know, this is, you may have noticed, kind of the theme as we're still in our early stages. We're very much wanting to lay the foundations of this fundamental knowledge. And then from there, like a tree, we're starting with the roots, the trunk, and then beginning to branch out into more peripheral issues and, and topics and things like that. So this one right here, very, very core um, and, and widespread, you know, there's a lot of applications and honestly, we're going to get into some of the examples here, but this is really just the tip of the iceberg. You can sit there and probably, you know, think, think, think about this yourself. You know, what are the, the list could just go on, you know, we're, this is going to be a pretty lengthy episode, but, um, you know, this is really just a few of the, the biggest ones that kind of jumped out at us. So to start things off here, what do we mean by this? What do we mean by black and white? Um, you know, we're, we're referring to operating from the state of mind where everything is just black or white, this or that, you know, blanket statements. Essentially what comes down to is absolutism. Um, you're putting everything into a box. And, um, you know, if you, if you want to maybe, con, you know, consider you may have noticed the the artwork that we chose for this episode is the checkerboard, uh, and for that reason, you know that that really does uh, it's perfect for for this topic in a lot of different ways. So I'm going to kind of uh, unpack that a little bit. So the checkerboard, uh, many of you are familiar with this from Masonic symbolism, and when you look at the the imagery related to it. It's always at the ground level. It's it's at the bottom. It's where we all start from, and it's it signifies base consciousness. You know, think about base. It's like the word beast. Um, it's it's lower lower consciousness essentially, and um, you know we're all born into that. And as we progress through our individual journeys, we you know we climb the ladder off of that floor and ascend into new levels and layers of states of consciousness. So there's two aspects of this you can look at. There's the squares. So the checkerboard is, you know, it's a grid. Um, The grid is essentially the left brain. It's the the yang energy, the masculine, uh, if you will, is this the the energetic force of the universe the the yin and yang um it's it's linear it's you know uh very analytical it's like a machine right it's just um 
analyzing data and coming up, you know, and that's what we're kind of getting at here with the black and white absolutism thinking is it's, oh, this is this. Like you're just coming to this very like hard logical conclusion and, um, you know, the black and white points to the absence of gray. It's either black and white, there's nothing in between. And of course, we're not saying that black and white doesn't exist, but there very much is a gradient of all, you know, combinations of these in between, and one does not have to negate the other. It can be a little bit of both, and that's really what it is to balance these yin and yang energies. So this this type of black and white uh, analytical thinking is very left brain, which again, we're not necessarily demonizing, but when that's the only form of cognition that you're utilizing, you're in an extremely limited, disempowered, and short-sighted you know, way of looking at the world, essentially. So, um, you know, to, to sum it all up, basically, you can see that um, this is focusing on the individuation of things. Looking at things just at face value, uh, ha you know, it's exercising your discernment, telling, you know, the world apart. It's how we make sense of things to a certain degree, but... You know, it's essentially like the old uh, saying, you know, see the forest for the trees. So that left brain, it can't see the forest. All it sees is a bunch of trees. It's, it's only focusing on the individual and is unable to draw these bigger conclusions based on uh, a concept. Because if you're being literal, the forest doesn't actually exist. All it is is a bunch of trees that are clustered together. The forest is a conceptual idea that requires the right brain to actually grasp because you can't prove, you know, like scientifically or, or li in a linear way uh, that what the difference is. It's something you almost kind of feel intuitively, which is, again, right-brained. So, yeah, that's a, that's a you know, a pretty, like, um, good all-roundabout introduction to the concept, albeit a little long-winded, but, Brian, would you like to add anything onto that and, and uh, chime in there? Uh, no, I mean, for the most part, that, that definitely is, is an introduction, but uh, I do want to stress that this is something that, you know, uh, definitely I personally, but then also, you know, in a lot of our conversations, Logan, this is a, a theme that we've seen coming up over and over again through so many different areas that, you know, again, we want to stress that this is kind of a foundational or core concept that we're, we've been coming across here. Um, and a lot of it, I think, will tie back into, you know, coming from a place, you know, coming from a place of unconscious trauma. Um, and then, you know, that left brain intellect, that wounded ego will kick in. And then as a way of trying to keep itself safe, it's in that place of doing what the intellect does, which is, you know, pick apart from a mom. So it's trying to discern, you know, is this safe? Is this dangerous? You know, what is this? And then it can get into a very, you know, stuck in that state of just trying to stay in a constant discernment as a way of trying to protect itself you know and um, and it's very fear-based of course the survival yes. mindset you know is you know it's a two-edged <clears throat> sword because there are real dangers in the world that the, that <clears throat> sacred masculine primitive uh, uh, principle is very needed very necessary but Absolutely. to only live from that place of thinking of viewing everything as you know, host, potentially hostile and always being on the defensive and viewing it as a, a survival situation is a very imbalanced, unhealthy uh, state of existence. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, you know, really, um, 
one of the first points that you know that I kind of want to bring up and address here, um, and, and how I came about the path of kind of discovering this over you know the last few years is that you know in coming into um, the animist polytheist pagan mindset, whichever you would like to use, you don't really find this whole black and white uh, concept as much. Like you know, for example, if you're looking at the different gods, not only is there just like more than one. But each of the gods themselves have, you know, many different characteristics, many different traits. Uh, some can be very terrifying, but also very helpful. Um, I mean, they, they just have this wide variety of expression. Um, so they're not just these black and white deities where they're just only stuck in this one form of being. And, you know, it, it doesn't, with the pagan mindset, you know, it, it, you don't find as much having to, things to be all about absolutism you know uh it tends to be a mindset that accepts allegory and mythology a lot more readily um because there's not any like fear-based uh threat or coercion to drive that need to stay in that you know having to discern is this good is this evil so i don't get punished for it you know so that's definitely you know as i stepped out of you know you know, being raised in a, a Christian home or whatever and having a lot of this unconscious programming in as, you know, stepping more into the path of my an- my, my path work and my ancestor, you know, uh, from my ancestral tradition and pulling up these things in the unconscious, it was something that I not only noticed to myself, but I've been, you know, recognizing it just as kind of a general reaction in different areas of society. So um, I think, you know, that's something interesting to look at and uh, reflect on. Do you have any uh thoughts on that Logan? Yeah well I mean I think the main thing we can look at here is um, and this may be really touching on the more I think about it it may be really touching it at something very uh, foundational to this entire concept here is this idea that the gods the, of, of the uh, Norse or you know the pagan pantheon and what have you were not perfect beings they were very you know, fallible. They were on their own path to enlightenment, and they, they would have moments of you know, almost like humanness or, or error. And the, the, the people who practiced this, they weren't putting these beings on a pedestal of they're up here and they're perfect and we're down here and we're just inherently flawed, you know, the whole original sin concept of like, well, yes, it's okay to accept that you're not perfect, but you don't then put yourself to a standard of perfection and then say you're failing at it because you're comparing yourself to something that you can never beat. That's a very unhealthy uh, mindset. And so that's one of the biggest core differences between this uh, pagan animist perspective and monotheism, is monotheism very much holds this this concept of God is perfect and all-knowing and all-powerful and all, you know, all these things. So, um, you know, it's just a very fundamental difference that has vast implications as to the way that we relate to ourselves and reality through that lens of, you know, being inherently flawed and imperfect, whereas God, the cre- you know, is, is perfect as opposed to you're just learning and drawing on these different energies, these archetypes that are the gods, that it's almost more of a free flow and exchange where the gods are actually learning from you as much as you're learning from them. Right. <clears throat> Absolutely. And it, it definitely, you know, with the animist mindset, you, 
you get rid of that whole kind of savior projection that we see in you know in Christianity where there you know they there's this idea of this, this you weren't good enough so there had to be this perfect savior you know in order for you know you to be able to be accepted or whatever um, you know that that's definitely a very disempowered mindset but it, it also like I said it immediately sets that standard up for you know telling you that you have this original sin you know you're not perfect but there's this perfect God that, you know, you're supposed to try to be like, but you're never going to get there. Um, so it's just going to always keep you in that place of like failure and self-loathing. Right. Um, so very, hierarchy. absolutely very fundamental mindset, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it just very straightforward. I would say it's, it's definitely the difference between a disempowered mindset and an empowered mindset, you know, exactly. um, cause you have to start with that foundation. And if you are accepting, any kind of state of mind or a mental terrain that where you're being disempowered, then all of a sudden it's, it's going to create unconscious trauma because you're going to have to suppress that to keep making it through life and you're going to keep pushing it down and then you're going to open up that ghost door that we've, you know, we've talked about before. Um, and then you set yourself up for this feedback loop where you become very dogmatic. Um, so, and, and I'd like to add um, two words come up here when you're talking about this savior projection and all this kind of stuff that I think is such a profound concept that I keep coming back to in my own intuition to the point where, I mean, I think we could almost do a whole episode on this one concept and that is learned helplessness. That's Ooh. what it is. Let's do a whole episode on it because it's a good topic. <laughs> Like, think about as from maybe this perspective of a parent or something, like the, your child is trying to, like, learn to tie his shoes or something, and every time he's just getting frustrated and he can't figure it out, and then he just calls, calls out to you and says, can you just do it for me? It, you would be a bad parent if you always just went over there and tied their shoes for them. You know, the whole point of parenting is stewarding their actual growth and, and learning process, not just teaching them, hey, if I just cry out for help, somebody will always come to save me. That's how you can guarantee your child will always stay a child. And that's exactly what we're talking about. This religious mindset is spiritual infancy. You're never growing up. You're just saying, oh, I don't need to learn anything. I don't need to grow. I just need to believe and beg for sa you know a savior, and then my my you know my sky daddy will sweep down in a chariot and carry me off to heaven. It's yeah, very childish. Definitely an excellent point. And what that brings up for me, obviously, has me thinking about my little guy. And you know, as he's you know he's at the stage you know where he's been you know walking for like you know the last uh, you know four or five months or something. And um, there's the times you know when they'll kind of like fall down and they'll hit their head or whatever. And you'll notice they'll kind of look you know he'll he'll look at me to kind of see what my reaction is. You know, because if, <laughs> yes. kind of, if you have the reaction like where you kind of freak out about it, they'll take that and then all of a sudden they'll start crying a lot more with it, where a lot of times, you know, it, as long as it's nothing serious, you can just be like, oh, you know, you'll be fine, get up, you know, and then they'll just kind of laugh it off and they'll go on mm. about playing. So, you know, it, it's that difference in the addressing the mindset between, you know, uh, installing that victimhood mindset of, oh, something happened to you that was so horrible, now you have to cry about it, you know, a lot. Or oh, yeah, there's struggles, things happen, and it might hurt a little bit, but stand up and you'll be okay. Like, you know. Right. Learn to pick yourself up off the ground when you fail. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, that's one of the, you know, the beautiful things about, you know, children is that, you know, they can 
you definitely learn so much just from observing things, you know, and um, taking That's that natural law. Yeah, definitely very, very uh, interesting experience for sure, to say the least. You know. <laughs> so uh, this next point, man, ooh, is this a doozy right here? Um, <laughs> <laughs> this has been a topic between Brian and I a lot lately, and it's something that yeah. we just want to get you know, get right out there in the open and very, uh, and address it very directly. Um, and that is people's relationship to money. Now, if y'all have gone back and watched all of our other episodes, we, you know, our very second episode of the podcast, we did, uh, uh cover this discussion, but, um, you know, I feel like there's certain things that we missed and because that one didn't get as many views for whatever reason, um, we're just going to go ahead and revisit it again because it, it really is one of the bigger ones that we see uh, uh, people having hang-ups with, including ourselves. I, I want to make sure we're not coming across Absolutely. like we're all high and mighty and on our you know soapbox here. Brian and I both have, have held this uh, certain belief system about money and this relationship with money before, and we have outgrown it we have thought process. <laughs> Absolutely. So um I don't know, Brian, do you want to uh, start out and I can, you know Sure. Absolutely. Obviously, you know, I think I think we can kind of go ahead and frame it up, you know, foundationally is that, you know, looking at kind of the two polarities or the extremes of how people view money. So, you know, there's the idea that money is, you know, um <clears throat> What, what your total focus should be on that, you know, you become obsessed with it. It should be, you know, your only goal, um, you know, no matter what it takes to get that. So just being in a place of total obsession with it. Right. You know, get rich or die trying. <laughs> right. Do if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. <laughs> right. That, that mindset is obviously, you know, a very polarized and balanced mindset. But then on the other extreme, we can look at the idea that money is totally evil and that it's all satanic and dark-sided. It's, it's mind uh, control. And it's a, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, all, it's all this, you know, it, it's a very black and white kind of uh, worldview in, in context to this specific subject that we see a lot of people uh, will slip into. Um you know, and like as Logan said before, you know, my all that speaking for myself, definitely, I very much for a very long time had this uh, world view on money that it was kind of, you know, very evil and that rich people were unhappy and, you know, all the kind of, you know, they're greedy or they they must have only, you know, they couldn't have worked hard for it. They they must have just only, you know, got lucky. Screwed people over and family or screwed people over or, you know, all these kind of extreme beliefs and very broad brushed assumptions that projections. You know, and, and, you know, things that we see people uh, make whenever this subject comes up. And uh, in holding that worldview uh, for a long time, you know, obviously I experienced a lot of struggle in things because, you know, and I didn't really want to have abundance. And then there came a time in my life when um, someone actually, um, one, I kind of, you know, I've, I've talked about this a little bit before where I kind of, you know, quit my job and just decided to take my backpack and my dog. Uh, and just get dropped off out, you know, in, you know, Northern California and just start hiking around. And all of a sudden, you know, the world became very magical for me and things started unveiling and my relationship with money started to change. And uh, a, a friend told me something that ha had a huge impact on me. And, and I think it's very useful to look at. And he explained to me is this is that he's like, I look at money as a choice multiplier. He's like, mm -hmm. it's a form of energy. 
And if you have more energy, you have the ability to make choices. He's like, it's not that you're wanting the money. It's, it's, a, it's a medium or a conduit which allows you to be able to go do the things that you want to do. You know, um, so that kind of started my thinking on, you know, reevaluating, well, what is this? And obviously, you know, as I, you know, stepped in kind of, you know, the truth community and stuff, I, you know, did kind of a, a flip backwards, you know, going back into thinking, you know, that, oh, it's, you know, it's the Federal Reserve System, so it's all evil. And that's not to say that we're endorsing the Federal Reserve System at all. So before anybody, you know, gets triggered here, it's not what we're saying. Listen closely. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I went from, you know, having a place where, you know, I had that mindset change, brought in a very large amount of abundance, you know, but then, I kind of got stressed out because of that and then fell back because, you know, I was coming from a place of unconscious trauma projections. I wasn't ready to handle that kind of energy. So then my mindset changed. I found the kind of the true community movement where it, I then kind of fell back into that mindset of thinking money was evil. And then obviously worked myself back to a place where I didn't really have that abundance anymore. Um, you know, so this is something I've tested in both forms. So before anybody gets triggered or thinks that like, you know, uh, oh, you just don't know what you're talking about, or, you know, you just don't understand natural law, or we've had an experience that you haven't, so you don't understand this yet. You know, I personally, I've tested this both ways, you know, uh, multiple times. And every time I change my mindset, you know, abundance comes to me. And right. And it's not wrong to do that, because then, obviously, you didn't have the ability, your choices are multiplied. You have the ability to not only help yourself, um, to create the the best you know reality for you want to experience in your personal life, but then if you need to help others, you have that ability as well to be able to do that, and that's a really nice feeling to be able to do that. That if right. someone needs help, that you can you can be that person that can help them. Not that you should always have to do that, but if you want to have that option, that's totally okay to have. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's kind of a good little. Like I said, I'd add a little long-winded intro there, but <laughs> yeah, no, good stuff, man. Thinking, but... <laughs> good stuff. Uh, I was thinking it's it's almost like the the mindset of a recovering addict. So somebody who's an alcoholic, they were obsessed with alcohol. They could they it had a hold on them. You know, they couldn't control themselves. All they cared about was how they're going to get more. And then that first stage where they're they're quitting and they're finally saying no more. Swing they can't others. trust themselves with it, therefore, it's all bad, you know, keep it away from me, blah, blah, blah. But in that way, if you look at it this way, the alcohol still is controlling them because they can't even say when you know, and how they relate with it. They have to just completely, you know, shut themselves off from it. And I think that's what where people, they see the bad, the you know, the badness of the money obsessed culture that we live in and by all means you know please understand we are we're acknowledging that we're not saying that doesn't exist mm -hmm. we're not saying that that's not a very shallow you know ego driven uh fear-based mentality to be in we're not promoting materialism in and of itself we're just saying that's to to go from that to saying that materialism in general is all bad or it's a lot you know that's this kind of gnostic esoteric Christian even, uh, you know, worldview that the world is this lie, this illusion pulled over our eyes, and we have to just, like, you know, ascend out of out of the prison, 
3D reality or whatever that the material is bad and icky and it's just trying to trick you into staying here with all these material pleasures and everything. No, that like we're meant to experience, you know, deep pleasure, and that is for us, and that is every bit an, a, as an a spiritual experience as anything else. Um, and and abundance is spiritual, and you deserve abundance, and and you choosing to remain in um, in lack and you know material lack. Even we're not saying that the only form of lack is materialism. See, like it's people mm -hmm. get all this stuff so twisted up, we have to be very careful take about Take a black it. and white stance. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, what it comes down to is, just because others are suffering, doesn't mean you have to, like, literally live in squalor or else because you're afraid of having more than someone else. That's not, you know, that's not a healthy out outlook. You know, it, you're gaslighting yourself, essentially. You deserve to be abundant. You deserve to go out and take what you deserve for what you're putting in you know it's it's mm -hmm. all about energy exchange you know you can observe this everywhere in nature and you know I, I I've been really studying a lot about cryptocurrency lately and just in studying actually the science and and philosophy behind currency itself even if it's a fiat or whatever kind of currency it's it struck me profoundly just how much it sounds like natural law it literally is just a, a new form of energy exchange. That's really all it is. And you can't be against money without being against, you know, the flow of energy, which is anti-natural law. Energy must flow. Yeah, it, there's a, a few things that definitely come up for me there. And that's one, you know, if we will look at it through, you know, astrology and the runes. But let's start with the runes. The very first rune on the Elder Futhark is fade. Thank you which is fee, you know, it's, it's the, you know, and if you look at some of my work, you know, that we've talked about before, if you go to my other, my, my other private channel, Mastering Midgard, I have videos on the runes where I introduce them. But when you can see that, you know, there's, there's 24 runes split up into three sets of eight, and each of them deals with a different level or aspect of the self and helping you come to grow to be a full mature spiritual being that's a functioning member of the tribe. And the first they deal with the physical level. So the first thing that you have to start with in this life is learning how to master material resources. And that can include money, but it can also, it's all also knowing how to, you know, like feed yourself and build out, you know, just live in this basics. Because if you don't figure out that out, you're not going to be here very fucking long to figure out the rest of the shit. You know, you got to start simple here. So, right. and then, you know, if we jump, you know, uh, to the seventh room of Elder Fudark, we, we see Gabo which is about, you know, an equal exchange, you know, mm -hmm. and th this is, you know, an energy manifest in many, many different forms. Obviously everything is energy. Everything is consciousness. So it can be money. It can be emotions, you know, uh, time and attention. There's all sorts of different forms of energy, but there needs to be an equal exchange because if one party is just giving and giving and giving and another is taking, what what is that? It's not a symbiotic relationship. It's a parasitic relationship. And exactly. you know, with abundance, you know, we can see nature is very very abundant. It's all about abundance. If you go out there and look, you know, it's about life. It's about you know going out there and thriving. And yes, uh, death and struggle are part of it as well. You know, so it's not just this black and white that oh it's all beautiful. There there's this mixture of it. You know, obviously. Um, but then as well for me through technology. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I, this, you brought up a lot for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
through through astrology, you know, my Dharma Devata, which is the planet that helps me with my unconscious mind, is Venus. Um, so I've been working with like Freya and this this Venus energy. And when we see in astrology, Venus re- represents and relates to material things and pleasures and music and beauty and all these different things of this physical realm. Uh, and it also represents higher devotion. So if there's an entire uh, entire planet, you know that has a huge uh, impact on how we function as human beings deals with th- these things. That's, that doesn't, it's not inherently evil to think so. It's like saying nature itself is evil. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that separation that thinking, you know, demonizing this physical body and thinking that, Oh, it's only the other realm that is you know spiritual. And, you know, to be a spiritual person, you have to make sure you live, in the most minimalistic lifestyle in this physical world and anything else than that is, you know, you're not spiritual or you're fake or a charlatan or whatever the fuck it may be. Right. You, this just came to me. Look at a bee, for example, a bee is not thinking about, Oh, I'm going to go out and pollinate all the flowers. The bee is thinking Mm -hmm. about what he's getting out of it. Right. That's right. It's just that he's, the the bee as you just said yourself looking at comparing a symbiotic relationship to a parasitic relationship well every being in nature is in one of the, those two things that is ultimately mm-hmm. the thing that we're we're talking about natural law living in alignment with true natural law is what is good for harmony of all things both of those lead to i'm getting what i want it's just one means we all get, you know, there's enough to go around versus I'm getting what I want. Screw everybody else. I'll destroy the very ecosystem I live in to get mine essentially. Mm-hmm. So again, the bee is living in a symbiotic relationship with the flower, but he's not thinking about the flower. He's just going out and getting, you know, getting what he needs to survive. So, mm-hmm. you know, just remember that like, um, that that dichotomy there and and this is um really like i you know i'm just going to clearly state as you can see as we go through this list of these few examples that we selected the theme here is dialectical dynamics between two polarities and this comes back to the law of polarity and the hermetic principle so again you know anyone who hasn't read the kabbalion very very like a hundred percent vital foundational fundamental knowledge for anyone especially it, by understanding that it's going to make so much more sense what what we talk about a lot here on this show so you know uh that'd be like number one if we if we made a wizard factory you know reading list book list that would probably be the that's first definitely one. out there yeah, <laughs> yeah. <For sure. laughs> so so again that's the theme here is we're talking about polarities where you know um you're, you're getting shoved to one side of the spectrum or another in a state of imbalance that's going to cause chaos in your life, in your day-to-day operations by being so, like, one-track-minded, you know, on, in black or white on, on a certain uh, thing. So, you know, as we were touching on the – oh, did you have something? I, I did, actually. Some, something else big came for me here is this kind of underlying black-and-white assumption with money that people will say that, like, if you're looking at uh, getting money or bringing in abundance yourself, 
that means that you must automatically by default be elevating yourself above others or that's all you know again all you mm-hmm. care about and that you know there there's not enough abundance for everybody so it's staying this assumption of the scarcity mindset you know mm-hmm. um instead of looking at and seeing that you know not only can one being be abundant but all can be abundant which is really tapping into that energy of the aquarian age that we've been moving into, oh yeah which is you know about the individual being sovereign as well as working with the the group for the social you know uplift and change that we want to see together very good point thanks for bringing that up and you know um you know this was also making me think of how you could look at money as just a tool right i mean anything that human beings create what is a tool a tool is something that we make that does something that makes life Mm -hmm. easier that has a you know it's an object or a contraption that has a purpose it 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 does Mm -hmm. work for us so that makes our work easier right so any tool is neutral it's all about the intention behind it so you can't blame money as being inherently evil any more than you can say guns are inherently evil they can be Mm -hmm. you, you can you can use a gun to, you know, uh, ward off a, a robber or co- stole cold, you know, murder somebody. Well, you can use money to, you know, buy a politician or, or do something super shady, you know, or build a homeless shelter. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Build like, a force, you know, do all sorts right. of things, you know. Get, buy a gift and give it to somebody, you know, give, mm-hmm. give somebody the Kabbalion, like a hard copy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you just use your your material wealth to to give them something that again what is that tool that book is now a tool for their learning that's the function of that you use the tool of money to purchase a real world world tool so like if i made a bunch of money what am i going to do i'm not going to you know do something like super self-servient you know i'm going to build a farm and you know get a vehicle and then buy better equipment so that i can you know, spread the message of freedom and self-empowerment through the wizard factory more efficiently. That is how I want to spend my money and will, because I will be making money doing this and other things. Right. Right. So, yeah, that's, I think that's a good kind of little general introduction to, you know, or kind of on that subject there, because it's definitely something that we, we're going to do, you know, a whole other talk in the future where we really go really into depth into this and looking at it but the, what we really wanted to address with it here is just looking at being stuck in the black and white perspective of it just getting stuck to one extreme or the other so if mm-hmm. you find yourself taking one of these stances maybe you should step back and look and see well is this coming from a place of unconscious trauma why am i having such an extreme reaction to where i'm saying mm-hmm. i'm staying polarized and stuck in right. one state of mind because that's stagnation and stagnation mm. in nature, death. It's like a knee-jerk reaction to something. Absolutely, you know, and it's coming. You know, it's coming from a place of feeling like wounded or victimized in, in some sort. You know, so um, I, I think that's a good little, um, you know, hit on that. Um, and the next yeah. one that we wanted to talk about here um, was uh, the whole, you know, kind of, you know, uh, sex could be another one that we could, you know, hit on here. You know, um, it's something that in society, you know, some people may, you know, get stuck into, you know, one polarity of other where they see it, you know, as this just meaningless, pointless thing that's just, you know, something, you know, uh, apes do or what, you know, that whole kind of, you know, right, right, very, you know, uh, disconnected. Materialistic. Mindset, you know? 
Right. But then on the flip side, you also have the mindset that, you know, oh, it's this, you know, very uh, spiritual thing that it's only spiritual. And if it's done any way outside of that, you know, uh, then it's, you know, evil and sinful or, you know, whatever that may be. Um, so I think, you know, it's a subject that we can see kind of a lot of different extremes and kind of hard stances uh, taken on with. So, uh, Logan, would you kind of like to take it from there? Yes. Um, of course, yes, we, you know, you can see it as just this this empty, um, you know, the, the term that always comes to mind. It, it just kind of strikes me because it's so... Um, the term bumping uglies because it, it is so <laughs> indicative of that mindset of just like it's mm-hmm. just 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 bad, you know like uh, <laughs> and then and the, and the way it gets used so much as a sort of a as a drug in a way you know um, mm-hmm. where any any drug or any sort of addiction essentially what that comes down to without getting too far off topic is you're feeling a void within yourself. You're 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 not connected to yourself. There's a dissonance there. So you're seeking something outside of yourself to feel whole and to feel complete and to feel connected. So you know a lot of people that you know sex very much gives that you know in a in a temporary you know drug addiction type of way where it's it's a quick fix, but then afterwards you're left feeling even shittier than before. And um, because, you know, it makes sense. What did I just say? They're, they're seeking connection. Well, that's what sex is supposed to be. But if they're not, you know, on that heightened state of, of uh, spiritual awakenedness and everything, then sex is never going to meet that, you know, that energetic uh, level where, of, of that as well. So, um, you know, that's one, one way you can look at it. And then the other side is where it like it has to be this this only sacred thing, you know. And you know, the, again with the kind of Christian religious view of like saving yourself until marriage, and uh, lust is like worse than murder. If you look at a woman and imagine her naked, that's the same as raping her. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Bible literally says this kind of stuff, and I mean. That's just another form of extreme where, yes, sex, sex is sacred. It's incredibly sacred and, and powerful. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with – I mean, that's part of just being human. We are wired to want, you know, that that sexual, you know, mm. to, to ravage someone just in that, like, <laughs> almost animalistic, lusty kind of way. And, and that's not bad either, you know. That's that black and white where you're splitting them two, and it's it's only this or this, and there's nothing in between. That's just one yeah. example. Absolutely, and you know, a quick mention here. You know, this this episode's really all about seeing the nuance of things. You know, being able to see the relationship and the that gray area and look at it and just mm-hmm. understand that you don't have to always just step into this extreme reaction. And if you're doing so, you're probably coming from a place of unconscious trauma and and when you do that you're again setting yourself up for that dogmatic feedback loop where you're just going to be chasing your own tail um this just came to me the answer to dialectic absolutism thinking is yes but yes Mm -hmm. but because then you're adding in 
the nuance, the uh, caveats, the exceptions. Right. You're not making right. blanket statements. You, you have a general idea, and then you say, this is true, but then the, here's how you temper that. Here's how you offset that in a way with balance. Right, absolutely. Um, you know, and the next thing, you know, that I, we, you know, we see here, um, and this is a, a one that in society plays out in, in many different ways um, and through many different belief systems is this idea of individualism versus collectivism. So, you know, just to kind of look at it from kind of the anarchist, um, you know, circle and perspective here, we see, you know, that some people take that very extreme on, you know, oh, I'm individuals, don't, don't say, you know, don't use the word we or I don't associate with any people or I don't even want to be a human being because we're all just a, a virus or a plague on the earth, this very kind of nihilistic worldview. Um, but then on the other hand, you know, where we see people that, you know, that uh, they can slip into the extreme of, you know, only being about collectivism. And mm. you know, that's the only answer and that, you know, uh, the collective rights outweigh that of the individual. And, you know, right. you get that, that um, mindset of statism. But what this really brings up for me is, is what's happening here is this is a war in the mind of the all. When we can see that, you know, everything is consciousness, everything is part of the mind of the all, mm. we're, we're individuations of consciousness, but that are all collectively together because we're all part of the same mind. So mm. it's this fight in the mind of the all between, you know, having the individuation of consciousness um, or the connection between that and getting stuck between those two poles. So it's the mind of the all become, you know, playing out in a polarized form. So when we can start seeing, you know, that it's, we're both, you know, we need to be able to, you know, I like to say is, you know, when, when I first learned it through my own experience, I summed it up in this way is that everything is the same, just in a different way, you know, cause it, 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 it through that, I could start seeing that, you know, I was both an individuation of consciousness, but I was, connected to everything else that was also just as equally one of those. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I started being able to understand and look at the complicated simplicity in things and seeing that, you know, yes, there's this going on, but then, you know, the complexity, that's what this talk is about. We're looking at the nuance. We're getting beyond only seeing the simple thinking and stepping into looking at the complexity of things and seeing the nuance of them because you have to be able to do both. Right. This is the the forest and the trees again. Really, is we're individual we're individual trees, but we're also the human family. We are like the cell again with the cells the cells in your body. Each mm. cell is an individual, but the the cells all come together to it's actually create. It. It, Absolutely. Yes. And and, and what the cells are doing? They're exchanging energy. They're sharing nutrients. They're, the blood is coursing through and sharing all of that. You know, the, this is really... Yeah. And if a cell doesn't get energy, what happens? You know, it, it fucking dies. dies. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, it's, it's fundamentally in nature that, you know, mm -hmm. these things, you know, that we're hitting on here. Um, so capitalism and communism would be another sort of little off-branch of this as well. Right. Right. Yeah, or the unity uh, versus duality of, oh, you're only seeing dualistic thinking, oh, you're only stuck in a unity right. mindset, and not, not being able to, like, look at both. 
Right, know. where you just tend to see people that either say, like the very new age-minded people that say, there is no me, there is no you, we're, we're just namaste, we're just the same person looking back at each other through a mirror, bro, like it's all just one, you know, uh, versus, you know, <laughs> the opposite end of the spectrum of that where it's just like, you know, ultimately a, a different form of solipsism where I am all that exists and everything, the whole universe is just this projection of me and mm -hmm. in going on in my own mind and consciousness. Right. Um, absolutely. Um, and another one that, you know, we think is kind of a, a big one that we can see play out a lot of times is this uh, idea versus, you know, nature versus technology. Like whereas people can kind of, that in itself, they can take a very black and white stance on of, you know, only, you know, thinking that, oh, you know, we only need the, the natural form things and then, you know, all technology is really bad or there's the people that go to the other extreme that, you know, like, oh, nature is just something to be conquered and technology is everything. Um, and, you know, why, why can't you look at both? Why can't you build technology that's inspired by nature that helps improve it, you know, and start being able to balance these together? <laughs> yeah. In fact, we could even separate those two first and each one of those has its own dialectic where yes. people see either nature is just horrible and brutal and, you know, like maggots just eat the eyeballs out of baby deer and stuff like that versus just, oh, there's just light trickling down and, you know, butterflies flying around and that's nature and it's all just love and, uh, you know, abundance and everything. Mm. No, th those are two black and white perspectives of nature which nature has like you know infinite beauty and and love and community and all that thing and it's horribly brutal at the same mm -hmm. time it's the masculine and feminine in everything mm -hmm. to, to me what it brings up again is tying it back to the animist mindset that you don't just you don't just find this worship of only the light you know there's you know this understanding of you know the, you know, the light and the, and the darkness, like there's a worship mm -hmm. of both life and fertility and growth, but also death and the change. Right. So, so you see this, you know, in, in an animist and pagan mindset, That's much more point. than is if you take like a monotheist mindset and it's very much all very, very different to that, you know, uh, extent. That's essentially Luciferianism because <clears throat> all this light workers and light beings and stuff, you're only, it's a black and white, perspective where you're just saying only light's good mm -hmm. right absolutely because there, there's definitely a lot to learn from uh that darkness and that depth you know i know one of my favorite obviously goddesses to work with is like mother hella you know um and definitely a, a not in a, a obviously when i say dark don't take it in a negative connotation in your mind because that, that's we're not talking about not evil like you right. know it's that side of life that's, you know, the unconscious. It's about taking that time to reflect and look at things that mm. you maybe didn't want to look at, you know, and grow through them, um, you know, and or, there's that cycle, you know, that it has. Or the to natural struggle of, the natural Absolutely. struggle of life and, and those those times of hardship that are actually, you know, it, it, it's so difficult in the moment, but afterwards when you see the, the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, that's what gives it the meaning is that you went through that experience right. and everything. So this whole, you know, only good vibes only and, and love and light stuff and then just avoid the negative or don't feed the negative by, you know, that's your, your, yeah, 
<laughs> you're setting yourself for a lot my, of difficulty. Yes, you're right. missing. Or, you know, and on the flip side of that, the worldview that you know everything is you know conspiracy theories and it's horrible and we're all just only slaves and there's nothing we can do and you know mm-hmm. and taking a very hard stance on it and not recognizing that you know both can exist. Like, right, um, there can be the world is a very big and diverse place. And right, absolutely, because where there's free will. There's the the most beautiful good and the most horrendous evil possible because people are free to choose and they create right. that every single day. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And coming back full circle, you know, looking on the other side, we were talking about technology. Well, even technology, you know, some people like I have a friend who thinks technology is just enslaving us, and you know, like because of things like Facebook and you know drones and things like that, and you know, again. We're not saying those things don't exist or that they're not bad. They, those things are very much being used for negative reasons, um, but technology is just another tool, just like we were talking about before. I personally, because I have control over the things that I have in my life and the things that I use, technology empowers me and, and allows me to do things. I mean, look what we're doing right now. We're projecting uh, knowledge to the entire world uh, you know, through through these devices, they're not enslaving us. They're, we're spreading liberty, empowering knowledge through this. So, you know, you can just see this playing out with money is, you know, money's enslaving us all, except you can use it to actually liberate yourself. And by viewing it that way, you're cutting yourself off from the keys you're to your own you prison want. cell. <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's a- yeah, th- those keys were made by the guards. I can't use them. <laughs> right. That'd be just playing into their system. Their yeah. system. <laughs> no, what this brought up for me, too, uh, yeah. as well here with the whole technology thing is that, um, you know, the age of Aquarius, again, to tie it back in here, not only is about that connection and that social change, but it also deals with, you know, technology. Aquarius is the air magician. Yes. So yes. using technology to help connect with other people, to build communities, to raise that, that social consciousness and make that change that we want to happen, uh, that's all definitely something that we need to use. And the um, the chance for it to be used either way is there. Because that has, that has to be for, you know, free will to exist. That's there called freedom. Poss- exactly. There has to be that possibility for chaos and negative and apophatic experience to happen mm. just as much as there has to be for that pleasurable experience to happen. We need both of those for our full understanding and to, and to look at both of them and not just get stuck in one or the other. Yes. Very well said, Brian. Thank you for bringing Thank that you. up. <laughs> yes, I felt that shit. Dude. Um, so now to, to take those two concepts and look at them together, you know, I'm kind of thinking of this this concept of like the modern mystic or something where just because I like cell phones and video games and cool gadgetry doesn't mean I can't just just put that shit down and walk barefoot into the woods. Those two things do not have to be mutually exclusive. That's Absolutely. black and white. That's all or nothing. That's this or that. Where's the balance? Where's the nuance? You know, like right. that that is where the power lies is, be, you know, again. We, we talk about this a lot, but, you know, look at a battery. It has a positive and a negative charge. It is a power source that derives from 
the positive and negative polarities being blended and utilized in a circuit. Mm, I mean, it doesn't yeah. get any more symbolic. <laughs> than that. Yeah, I mean, and obviously that's nature working in itself. And if you look at the law of correspondence for that to happen on the physical plane, guess what? There has to be a spiritual cause behind that. Yes. That's what we're talking Woo. about, guys. Damn, son. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, a little so, bit of chew on there. A little food for thought. <laughs> um, so another way we can... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Another way we can uh, l look at this this black and white is, um, you know, these terms that get thrown on, uh, around an awful lot on Facebook, especially in, in the, you know, the freedom and truth communities. This idea of being awakened or enlightened versus a sleep or a sheeple where it's it's again all or nothing it's this or that it's just like well i'm awake and you're still asleep where this is not something that's binary you know uh we're all on different there, there's the gray areas where we're just all on different levels of consciousness and awareness of of the world where somebody who might know a shit ton about like 5g and chemtrails or something but then haven't looked into haven't read the Kabbalion or haven't looked into you know healing or plant medicines or, or whatever or like you know like we're all just spending our time day to day focusing on taking knowledge in and we can't nobody can know everything at once nobody can be fully enlightened and just know everything there is and you know it's not a light switch. like yeah it's <laughs> yeah. a dimmer switch you're turning the lights up slowly and gradually if anything, it, this is something that I, that I added when we were, you know, kind of talking about this the other day, Brian, is where if, if anything where I had to, had to actually define it as an actual turning point of, of uh, awakening, you know, where, where you actually take that red pill and it, it, it's a choice, you know, again, with the red pill in the Matrix, that whole movie is all about choice and he has to choose to take that. That's the moment when he says... I care more about truth than than my illusion. Mm -hmm. If if anything is a turning point about waking up or suddenly, you know, is when you begin to actually question the reality and start actually beginning your search and dedication for and to the truth. Mm. And and understanding that that is a continuous process. Exactly. It's not just this, you know, like I said, you know, just flip on the light switch and then all of a sudden you're there and everything's perfect. And right. also this idea that people, I think. It's got to be married to the streets. Right. The, the, the people, uh, you know, who think that, you know, if, if you're awake or you're a person that's enlightened, that all this, you know, you should also be in like this perfect state of happiness or you're not going to feel anger or sadness or, you know, any of these negative emotions. Um, you know, that's definitely obviously very much bullshit you know um you you can be at a state of awareness and many different things and you're still going to be experiencing um emotion you know just the normal emotions of life you know where you're going to have ups and downs and this is leading me in here too is to just emotions and feelings himself is another thing people can be very black and white on where you know, if you ask someone how they feel about something, they'll be trying to sum up and just come with this, you know, this one answer of, oh, I'm angry or, oh, I'm happy about it, when very rarely do we ever feel just one way about something, you know, a, a lot of times. A lot of times there's, you know, um, a struggle or, you know, we might feel uh, a little bit towards this way and a little bit towards that way, and then we have to try to find a balance in the middle. So mm -hmm. 
you know, I think that's something that, you know, seeing the nuance in it and being able to understand that it's not just one state of being or it's not just this, uh, this, inst- this process that just all of a sudden you weren't there and then you're there. It's this, this process of always becoming uh, into higher, higher states of awareness. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Um, let's see. Our next little uh, point we wanted to kind of hit on here is um, the whole, and this ties in with the whole kind of sleep versus wake thing, but this idea of waking other people up. Um, first, I'd like to say that, one, you know, you can help share knowledge and everything, but everybody has to then take that and integrate it for themselves. So if you if you look at it in the fundamental essence of how the universe operates, like they they have to do it themselves. So you're not going to wake anyone else up. They have they have to wake themselves up. Mm-hmm. But you have this, you know, kind kind of extreme where some people will be like, oh well you don't have, you know, everybody's on their journey, so you should just let them be but then, you know, on the flip side of that, there's the people that are just like, oh, you know, we're all slaves, so all you have to do is hammer away at it. And, uh, you you know, if they don't understand then this, then you have, you know, you're supposed to just go at it in this very assertive manner. Mm. Um, both of those are imbalances. Um, and this is, again, bringing back the animus mindset of, you know, honoring another person's sovereignty. Um, you know, whereas, like, talk, we talk about this a lot, but, you know, an Odin's sacrifice of himself. He didn't ask anyone else to save him. He wasn't, you know, asking the other person. You know, he sacrificed himself to go after that knowledge. Uh, and he also doesn't expect, you know, to be the one that has to do that for other people. He recognizes and respects that they they have that right and ability to do it for themselves because they have to. That's how the universe operates. In fact, you he know? basically said that um, for someone to offer to offer them their enlightenment he would take it as such an insult that he would run his sword through them. So just right. think about that for a second. <laughs> right, and, and what we're referencing here is that if, if people aren't familiar with it, is a, a really great book and a, a read I'd like to put out there for people to read. It's a book by a, a guy that goes, uh, Thunder Wizard or Michael William Denny, but he does a, a, talk, uh, a book called Odin Says Jesus Was a Coward. And in there he talks about, you know, uh, a shamanic journey or dream that he had in which, uh, him and Odin had an exchange, and he was kind of asking these ideas. It's a very recommended read, especially if you're wanting to understand the mindset that this channel is operating from, because it's it's very much that spiritual warrior mindset that you're willing to go after and you know be totally fearless in what you're going after, but you don't feel the need to have that savior projection where you you feel obligated uh, in a codependent way that you should save other people or that you're so enlightened that you just need to save them, because that's also very kind of slipping yourself into a ego trap, you know, it's disrespectful. So when it comes to trying to help other people see that the key here is whether or not that information is solicited, you know, Mm -hmm. so by all means, like go and create a channel, share information and do all that. If people come to your channel, then they're seeking that out. It's solicited then. But if you're just going around on everybody's page or trying to tear down their work or, take little short uh, bits of clips to try to misrepresent things, you know, that's unsolicited and that's a so- that's a sovereignty violation, uh, which is another thing we're going to talk on here um, uh, as a point in this talk. Um, but it's very disrespectful to just think that, oh, someone else is 
you know, they're below you in understanding. So you just have to, you know, projectile bomb it all over them. So they can, right. where you're at because they're, they're not where they're, <laughs> you know. And I, I, I want to add a yes, but right here as one little caveat, <laughs> even, even to what you're saying, um, yeah. I can, you know, just for the sake of playing a devil's advocate, it's, uh, I can kind of see how the argument that uh, do, speaking that way about statism is almost borderline self-defense because you're, you're right. literally trying to stop people from supporting the system that is actually causing harm. It's one thing to, like, you know, if, uh, if it's a spiritual matter, it's almost the same as knocking a, a bag of Cheetos out of somebody's ha hand and saying, like, don't you know that's poison? It's bad for you. But if they're actually causing harm on other per uh, on another person, or they're taking action which supports somebody actually causing harm, that's a little bit more like understanding. Well, I think, yeah, well, and I think that gets back to sovereignty because if a person is operating from the state of mind that they're causing harm to people, what are they doing? They're violating someone's sovereignty. So if they, right, if they, you know, I, I've got a perfect example like uh, the story I told you the other day where I had a a young Christian show up at my door, you know. Um, trying to, you know, invite me to church or whatever. And, you know, I stopped him and, you know, I was kind of, you know, just very blunt. And I was like, no, I was like, I was like, do you not realize what you're doing is unsolicited? It's like, it's, it's just like, that's not okay. Like you, you don't, you don't have the right to just, show, you know, I'm not showing up at your door and uh, asking you if you've heard about Odin and Thor, or if you've practiced, you know, the whole, right. like I, I put my information out there where if people want to find it, they can find it. But I'm not just going to go around and knock on someone's house like trespass on their property to say, oh, you know, uh, hey, ha have you done this? Like that's a that's a total violation of sovereignty. So what I did there. As opposed you know, to as I, if you actually went to a church and said, hey, I'm more interested in Christianity. Totally what, what, different thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's solicited at that point. So, right. so I was very kind of blunt and harsh, you know, because I, I wanted – you know, this young man to understand what he was doing, you know, because he was unconsciously doing that. And I, I recognize that, but someone needed to have that kind of harsh reaction and, and explain that, Hey, that's a sovereignty violation. So, you know, I, I think that's definitely the caveat that is there is that, you know, this trying to spread information, are you doing it as a way because, you know, your sovereignty is being violated, you know, so that needs to happen, or are you just doing it in a way that, you know, you're kind of just, Going feeding your god, feeding your own superiority and complex and self-importance, things like that. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes. So. Whereas, at least with the status argument, you could still say, "Well, yeah, you could view it as self-defense, but at the same time, is calling everybody a bunch of stupid status sheeple really the best way to wake them up?" Anyway, the is that tactic. really going to make them? You know what? I have been kind of a stupid sheeple. Here, let me just completely change my entire beliefs you know, to, to, you know, cater to, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like we yeah. still need to be smarter and more tap tactful and diplomatic with our approach with this. Right. Cause if, if you come off at it, like as a total, just asshole or a douchebag, you're not going to actually dig positive. in and be even Harder. more resistant to what you're and saying. You're working against yourself. Exactly. Um, yeah, very much so. Um, so yeah, no, definitely a, you know, interesting point to look at with that. Um, right. Let's see, what was the next little thing we want to dive into here? Um, oh, yeah, th this one here is that kind of, you know, the the mindset of, 
you know, we, we can look at knowledge itself. So people can become very, you know, black and white with their knowledge, obviously. This is kind of what we're talking about is you know, knowledge of different areas and how people are slipping into black and white thinking. But, you know, some a lot of times when people, they uh, are coming from a wounded place, they'll use statements of, say, if they're in an argument, they're like, oh, well, what, you know, you're always right. Or or that person, oh, they're always oh, you wrong. just Yeah, you it's just got just, it all you know, figured out, don't you? Right. It's just this either or black and white thinking without understanding that everybody, every single fucking person has the ability to uh, be wrong and do things that are incorrect and also be correct and do things that are right. Right. Um, and it's not just this one or the other all the time. That's this this idea of this perfection or unperfection, you know, that maybe we could see this is kind of just hitting me that maybe this is coming from the some of the unconscious ties and monotheisms effect on our society that it, you know, gets into this state of being with knowledge that, you know, uh, it's either it's either biblical all the time or it's, you know, totally true and, you know, uh, always correct, you know. Um, right. It's either you know. biblical or secular. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So that definitely an interesting thing to kind of look at with that. And what that what that brought up for me too is something I get really often especially in my um, my dialogues on Facebook in, in, in the comments of my post and things where I'm I'm claiming something as as truth that I know for myself very deeply you know in my core to be true and they you know they you know they take that stance where it's like how do you know this and uh, well how do you know anything and then it becomes this whole, muddling of the you know what's what's really transpiring there and what I always say in those situations is just because I know something or just because we can't know everything doesn't mean we can't know something right or doesn't you know can't know anything like those are two completely different things things are knowable and and it's not always a matter of perspective if I say two plus two equals four, I know it. I'm correct. It's observable. It's provable, and it's repeatable. I could do that math problem a hundred thousand times, and it would be correct one hundred percent of the time. And yet, there's no two ways to look at that. There's no way of interpretation two plus two equals four. It just is that, and that's the only way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. So even um, yeah. this world of subjectivity versus objectivity could get you know brought into this uh, oh yeah this Absolutely. mix as well because people have a really hard time both. telling the difference right. and that they and that they can intersect in a gray area area <laughs> absolutely <laughs> absolutely you know beyond the black and white um, yes yeah no that's definitely something that is is very good point to look at and you know another way um this was something that you kind of brought up that you know I, I wanted to hit on here um was that you know a lot of times when it comes to knowledge people will take that stance of uh always needing to have like an immediate opinion or a stance on something of oh this is good or this is bad or oh that's you know well you know whatever the fuck it may be just going to an immediate extreme instead of taking the time to like step back and mm-hmm. actually say that well I'm, you know, I haven't fully formed my opinion on this. I'm going to do some more research on it. So this Especially kind of, if it's a very complex matter. Right. So it's it, not you know, something it's like you can a, just jump. Yeah. 
a knee-jerk reaction in something, you know that you're probably coming from some kind of emotional bias or trauma. You need to step back and look, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was something really excellent that you had brought up in our, yeah. our kind of little pre-talk. Um, and, and another thing, you know, one thing we wanted to look at was this kind of play between these two mindsets of I don't care what other people think of me or I only care what other people think of me. The huge one that we see kind of played out in our society and very, you know, not a whole lot of balance seen in between those. Because um, we get, you know, especially, you know, maybe in the truth meaning we get a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, I only care about the truth or I'm not here to please anyone or whatever it may be. Well, I think if we're really honest with ourselves and we, we step back and look at that, if that was the case, you wouldn't be out there trying to make a change. You're trying to have right. an impact on other people. Like, if you actually want to create you can't the claim the great work, you, want. you can't right. claim the great work and then also say you don't care about what other people think because literally by claiming the great work, you're, claim, you're, you're, you're making it your business to change how people think. So, therefore, you have to care what people think, not just of you yeah. because people – let's be – you have to work in the real world. People judge – information by the messenger you can say don't shoot the messenger all you want most people just don't work that way you need to be appealing you need to be charismatic you need to be tact tactful about how you're presenting this information if you truly care about actually you know spreading the message of of knowledge and truth right yeah and that's what i was getting to but then it's also not to slip into the extreme of that like oh you're only trying to appeal people so you're compromising your morals or anything like that. It's just, mm-hmm. it's all about tact. You can present the same information in, uh, you know, an infinite number of different ways. What is correct and needed in that situation? Like if you're dealing with an individual, knowing how that individual actually like operates, you know, they may want to hear information and react to information in a certain way, whereas another individual, that would totally turn them off. You know, so again, this is where like the archenosis and astropsychology is so useful for me is that I can I can see like the system mechanics of an individual and myself and then how those will operate together and you can see, you know, people's different dispositions. So this is, you know, all what I'm talking about when I say refer to being a midwife of consciousness is being able to understand that people have these different dispositions. There are like generalities in human behavior, you know, uh, there are some kind of like objective things out there, but there's also a lot of that you know, um, sub, you know, subjective range and then people having, you know, different ways they're interacting with themselves in the world around them. So just taking one kind of black and white stance on something, you, you know, you may appeal to some people, but you're going to be missing the mark a lot of the other kinds. So being able to be flexible and then choose the right, um, tactic that you need to deliver that message is, is very useful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so another one we can look at here um, is feminism and toxic masculinity, and then as mm-hmm. an offshoot of that one, the MGTOW movement. So we're seeing all these little like fractals of dialectics of like, mm-hmm. you know, fuck me, fuck you, fuck you, fuck me, like right. this back and forth of just like trauma tri- triggering trauma triggering trauma back and forth is right. like this perpetual cycle so Perfect. you know obviously uh feminists are very traumatized people who have you know who feel very hurt very oppressed very wronged by society who they are blaming 
is because men have been, a, you know, the society and they're, you know, they're per, like stifling the, the feminine essence with that masculinity, which in some ways is true, not in all the ways that they claim, but there definitely definitely is a certain patriarchal aspect to to society where, you know, our emotions are very, you know, suppressed and things like that, just without getting it's into black and white. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Even the patriarchy is a black and white matter. There's there's nuance right. to it. Right. So, yeah. So then, you know, there's uh, well, so the feminists claim that it's because of toxic masculinity. Well, how did the masculinity get toxic? I wonder, maybe because the masculinity was also suppressed in some kind of way, which created trauma that turned toxic and then turned to being oppressive and perpetuating the cycle of abuse. So then right. men feel oppressed by feminism, which is growing a lot of steam. And now you have the MGTOW, men going their own way movement. Where, so it's just this knee-jerk reactionary back and forth. That's just, I mean, and, and sure enough, I bet in time there's going to be a feminist reaction to MGTOW also that breaks off in this other sect from there, you know, and just like how long can this go on? I mean, it's utter insanity, mm. really. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, two, two areas that we can look at. And, you know, obviously with feminism, we're talking about like kind of the neo-feminism or the very, the feminism coming from a wounded place, not a, a place of actually wanting equality for people, but of a place of wanting to elevate one Misogyny. or the other. Right, you know, exactly. Um, so, uh, the next thing, you know, we kind of wanted to look at here um, is, uh, and this is a big subject here, is racism. You know, so, you know, there a lot of people kind of take like a big, very, you know, hard black and white stance on things where, you know, with people who are racist, you know, they obviously are, you know, all about their ethnic pride and excluding the others, you know, and that's obviously into very black and white thinking. Um, but then <laughs> also see that, you know, um, it, on on the other side, there there's a healthy form of being proud. You know, there's a place of being proud of your ancestry, but that that you don't have to be a racist in order to do that. You know, right. so being you know, obviously here at the Wizard Factory, we're very proud of our ancestry. You know, our, our ancestral knowledge is such a rich and beautiful tradition that you know has not only you know awoken and and helped me unlock things within myself and continue to do so every day. But, you know, Logan as well, and, and that's why we're here wanting to share that. But that doesn't mean we're trying to elevate our ancestral path or our our race or skin color or anything above any other. So degrade them below. That's right, another, exactly. the other way of looking exactly. at it. Exactly. Right. So we can recognize that it doesn't matter what path or what tradition it's coming through. There, there, And we talk about this a lot. There are discoverable laws in the universe. There are spiritual sciences that you can find. And one isn't necessarily better than other. It's useful to look at all of them. But there's also, you know, the healthy place of being very proud of who you are and where you came from because you are the essence of all your ancestors, of all their experience and everything come together. And, and we can look at this, you know, scientifically too through epigenetics, you know, mm -hmm. that you are the accumulation of them. So to not, you know, be proud of that or to just kind of exclude it and thinking that, oh, if you're proud of it all, that automatically makes you a racist. That's a very kind of black and white stance on that. So we need to be able to come into a place of balance with it. Absolutely. Um, 
So this next one, man, this is one um, I've is an idea I've kind of been developing for a good bit, and oh this yeah, this is a big one. This was <laughs> <It's> a good <laughs> one. <laughs> this is a big, really big one, and especially you know, I'm just going to come out and say in in the natural law, you know, uh, followers of Mark Passio and things like that, and this is where you know. We, Brian and I, hope to take all the great things that Mark has done, but also try to refine them and take them, uh, you know, I always think of this idea of a relay race where, you know, passing on the baton, you've, done, you've, you've ran your hardest and then you pass it on and let somebody else, you know, take it and go. And so this is one area that I feel can, can use some clarity to clear up some of the ambiguity about this whole concept of, uh, of a, objective morality because this is an area that just gets a lot of, um, you know, false assumptions about it and people not truly really understanding the nuances and all the little gray areas about it where, you know, there is black and white regarding morality. There is, you should never rape that is never okay, period, end of story. That's a, just a black and white matter. But then there is also a lot of gray areas regarding it, which, um, you know, is requiring a person to exercise their own conscience, their own discernments, their own heart-based intelligence to decide what is the best course of action. And maybe there's a few, and there's no one right one and wrong one wrong one or you know, you're just doing. We're all just doing the best we can, and sometimes there's not always just a cut and clear answer. But right, 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 right at this time, we want to observe this this dichotomy between harm and sovereignty or consent, because those are the two major players when it comes to morality. And the way Mark teaches, he he just says, you know, do no harm. Like, the, a wrong is that which causes harm. Um, and, and to some degree, I agree with that, but I think that it's it's almost an oversimplification because that is not necessarily taking into account a person's consent. Whereas, say, I tap Brian on the shoulder, Brian says, "Don't do that." I can't just say, "Well, it's not hurting you; it's not causing harm." That doesn't even matter because he's saying no, and mm -hmm. for me to continue to do that. I'm violating his consent in his bodily autonomy by doing so. So you have to measure, measure and like uh, weigh, <laughs> measure. Um, yeah, I like that. Good, good work. <laughs> <laughs> it's the weight and measurement of the thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> harm and consent. You have to weigh those against each other and and figure out, you know, what is the the most optimal. So again, it's not black and white. It's what's the best thing that I can do. Could I, you know, do I need to be a dick and, and, and argue what constitutes harm if you're just being flat out told no, you know, or, or like if I'm in uh, Brian's house and I pick up some katana off of his sword, you know, off of his uh, <laughs> off of his shelf and he's like, put that down. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to hurt it. Don't worry. And he says, yeah, but I just said no. Like, I need to honor Brian's property regardless of if I'm doing harm or not. It's up to him. Right. What is his property right. is, is to dictate ultimately. And that's the thing that goes above harm, I think. You know, right. it, it gets a little bit more, you know, maybe ambiguous when you're dealing with, with uh, say, an animal, right? Because an animal can't just say no. You have to more gauge if you're harming, but also you can, you can still look at the reaction. The fight or flight response is a pretty clear indication 
of a violation of consent. If an animal is either trying right. to defend itself or get away from you, it probably doesn't like what you're doing. So it doesn't matter if it has the ability to say, no, don't do that. You know, like mm. that's where that heart-based intelligence and using a little bit of common sense comes into play. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's an excellent uh, nuance to observe is that, you know, because there, there's so many uh, areas in life where uh, people are not necessarily causing harm, but they are definitely uh, violating sovereignty or violating someone's boundaries. You know, this is another obvious boundaries. big word we can Excellent. bring into here is boundaries. You know, like if yes. you're going around giving unsolicited advice and projectile bombing over everybody, then you are violating someone's boundaries. You may not be actually causing them any physical harm or anything like that. You may not be, you know, making one of the major natural law violations, but you're definitely not respecting their free will and their sovereignty. Um, so I think looking at both those aspects, Over which is that that which is rightfully their property, either right? Their own body or their their space or their right possessions, right? Exactly. So looking at both of those, I think that that's definitely a, a great point to bring up for sure. Um, and I think something people could really, you know, definitely encourage them to take some time to think about how this can play out. You know, as with all of these things that we're talking about, we are you know, um, you know, kind of just hitting on some of them quickly, but, you know, as with everything, we encourage people to not just take our word for it, but go question it for yourself and look at it and test it out through that natural law process and see what you discover. Right. And, and like, um, with a lot of these, we will actually end up being, you know, revisiting some of these and maybe even doing, you know, complete whole other episodes, uh, going right. more into depth on each one of this. For example, this next point, of uh, con conspiracy theories. So this is a really great example <laughs> of where, um, you know, you know, by all means, conspiracies are, are very real. You know, that's, that was a big part of my awakening process back, you know, years ago was understanding, like, there's some really gnarly shit going on and the people in power really don't have their, you know, the people's best interest in mind and things like that. Like, that's a whole rabbit hole. But I think some people, they get so sucked up into that that they literally can't see beyond that. And just as much as the whole hippy-dippy love and light thing where they just see everything is just, it's all good, <clears throat> the conspiracy-minded person who's become, you know, I'm not making blanket statements. That's exactly what we're trying to speak against is making blanket, blanket statements about, you know, things that aren't that oversimplified. But a lot of people who get into the conspiracy world, they get so into it that they literally can't see anything outside of it. They can't look at food without thinking about pesticides and this and they look, you know, cell phones or the four, 5G, you know, radiation and just like everywhere they look, it's something mm -hmm. that's out to get them. And, you know, this world is just like, you know, the, the prison once again yeah they, they become solidified in their identity with it too they start to like take that in with the ego because if we're you know talk about that that unconscious feedback loop you know when you're coming from a place of unconscious and then that gets into your belief system what's the next stage you move into the realm of ego where that starts to solidify um mm -hmm. so um you know i think that's that's definitely interesting to look at and you know um again you know there's there's definitely conspiracy conspiracies out there but uh, recognizing that there are those, but not everything is a conspiracy. Right. You know, looking at each individual thing, you know, from, you know, an objective 
viewpoint where you can step back and actually question both sides of it, Having not just to an immediate conclusion or immediate knee-jerk reaction, and then look at it and right. be able to see like that's both sides of it. That's a and, false flag. Right, and then find the balance, <laughs> you know, between those. Um, so, you know, the conspiracy thing itself can be very black and white, where you're seeing everything, and and then from there individual conspiracies can be seen as black and white, like I was just saying. Like, right. Like, anything that happens, you're like, it's false flag, it's false flag, you know, like the government right. set up crisis actors, whatever. Or, you know, like Brian and I were talking about this, where uh, there's so many people out there that we see that literally believe that anyone on TV, anyone on the radio singing a song <laughs> or whatever, was born the opposite sex, and they're they're transgender, uh, and then they you know you can go on and watch these videos where they're like analyzing all their bone structure and you know proving definitively that that so and so was born a man or what have you. And again, we're not making blanket statements either. I definitely there's a few of those that are very compelling, and I'm inclined <laughs> to think that there are quite a few actors and actresses that are trannies, but. To make a blanket statement that, you know, I've literally heard it said, you know, you don't get on the world stage without being, uh, you know, a transgender. That that just seems right. so. That's a very extreme stance to take. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, kind of, you know, a little, little bit of a funny one, but that kind of leads me into an, another uh, big area that I think people have a lot of hangups on to take a black and white stance with, and it's that. Um, you know, you know, movies and music and entertainment, you know, again, getting back to kind of the worldly pleasure thing. And for me, again, this is where working with Venus has been so useful and recognizing that, you know, that it's not just all satanic mind control. That that was like for a while, you know, and this was in the same same time of thinking where I had the hangups on money. I had the same hangups on the, you know, the movies and, you know, all, you know, earthly pleasures and things like that. Because I, I was stuck here, so I was take I was falling into black and white thinking all the time. So when you know working with Venus and recognizing that it's totally okay to enjoy life. In fact, like that, that life is beautiful. It's there for you to enjoy it, and um, it's not just all about focusing only on the suffering and then feeling like you know you codependently have your <laughs> of, of everything else. It's okay to step back and enjoy things. Um, and to yes. look, whether it's a simple movie or it's food or it's music or art or whatever the fuck it is, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, but those things yeah. are going on. We're not negating right. those things, but to just only see and get so obsessively locked on that thing is what we're trying to, you know, bring awareness about not getting caught up in that. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, or, you know, and that, that could work in a, in a, in the other extreme too, where people like, you know, that's all they care about or that's all they get, you know, sucked into. And then they, they do become kind of mind controlled by that, you know, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, you know, it, it's, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's avoiding the, you know, extremes, it's recognizing them and being willing to find the balance and see the nuance and, you know, balance all these different energies. This, this is really the whole theme of this talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, I've definitely seen people almost in a bragging kind of way, like, you know, almost like it's this, I'm so awakened that I can't even watch Netflix without just picking apart all the symbolism and how they're trying to mind control me and stuff. And it's like, well, you can see that stuff, and I see it too. But, but I can also just enjoy the, the allegory and the storytelling and the, the, you know, the right. acting 
the soundtrack. I mean, enjoy that shit. Like you're yeah. you're literally cutting yourself off from things that you could be enjoying, but you're choosing not to. One person definitely comes in mind about that. Yeah. <laughs> super rigid about everything and just everything's um, about the great work and you know anything else is just a waste of time and. I mean, and what, yeah. you know, it brings up for me is that, you know, like, some of the funnest things I do is, you know, just like when my son, you know, he likes watching, like, little movies, you know, I was watching, um, I was watching Happy Feet the other day, but, that, you know, that movie's filled with all sorts of, like, really beautiful uh, allegory, especially, like, the little side story of the, uh, the krill, you know, how he kind of goes off on his little journey or whatever, his little hero's journey, um, but it's just watching something as simple as that, is that, like, my son, you know, he's just enjoying, but I can still take the time to look at it and find that beautiful truth that's in there. So obviously it's not just this totally tainted thing. You know, there, there's definitely enjoyment and beauty that can be found in those things. Um, and another area that I think, I, I think, I think what that really is okay. just real quick is, you know, yeah. it's the stifling of the inner child that wants to play. Ooh, that's good, dude. I like that. Yeah. That's absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's just like, it's that, you know, the internal put, you know, patriarchal uh, aspect of just like it's time to grow up son and be a man and like life is hard and you gotta it's the battlefield and you gotta get out there you know it's like you're those things are important that's why it's the balance we're not negating that but at the same time fucking stop and smell the roses once in a while like enjoy this life it's short and before you know it you're gonna be too old to you know to do anything yeah, because we could look at it as cutting off that inner child or also looking at it as cutting off that feminine within ourselves, that playfulness within ourselves. Which I view as in, the same thing. And create. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, you know, the next big area we want to kind of look at is um, kind of two things here that, you know, religion and atheism and kind of how these two uh, can play out that, you know, people and their religious beliefs can become very, very extreme that unless you believe exactly what they believe, you know, uh, you're going to be, you know, punished or burned, you know, burning in hell or you're, you know, you're incorrect or being sold a bunch of lies or whatever the fuck it may be, you know, where, you know, getting back to the animist and pagan mindset, I, it, it doesn't not make two shits a difference to me what gods or deities you choose to work with. If you're trying to elevate your consciousness you're not uh, causing harm, violating people's boundaries and their sovereignty. It doesn't matter to me. You know, if it's mm -hmm. useful, if it's, if it's helping you, that's fucking great. But if you get into this, you know, very black and white view of it that, you know, uh, this is the correct religion and everything else is just sinners or evils or, you know, whatever it may be, uh, that's a very not a very healthy state of being. And then kind of on the flip side of that, a lot of people, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and I know you and I both had this in our personal experience of being raised in like a Christian home, will then have that bad taste of religion left in their mouth because of the people who take that kind of stance on it. So then you, out of reaction, flip to the other extreme and move to like atheism, where right. there's nothing spiritual and there's nothing out there and it's only this material plane and all religions are just, you know, stupid people, but it's also... Superstition. Right, and, it, and it's also like totally, you know, cutting off huge ranges of experience of this world and just refusing to look at them. So obviously it's being stuck just in the other polarity of it. Um, and how these, and, it, and that is kind of funny too, that you, a lot of people have this experience like we did that, like where they leave a religion like Christianity or something like that. And then they go to that other extreme for a while of atheism. And then at some point they eventually kind of start getting interested in things and end up kind of, 
coming back to finding a balance or a spiritual path of their own. But some don't, and they just stay stuck right. there. Either they never even leave the first cult, cult that they were raised in because of fear of, you know, like we talked about with the with the Thunder episode, Slain by Subtlety, where yeah. you're afraid of being ostracized by your family and your friends and, and you know, all that sort of thing. Um, or they they get up out of that, and then they stay stuck because they don't heal from the trauma that was uh, initially caused by that that um, Christian indoctrination. They stay clinging to, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Anything spiritual, just keep it away from me. You know, science is all I need. Science is my my new religion now. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you know that's. I mean, now that you say that, that brings another great point. Science is one that you know we we didn't even talk on earlier. But that's <laughs> something people take a very black and white stance with it. That oh, the scientist said it, so it's it must be a hundred percent true. Or a new study finds. So now whatever whatever comes after, I'm going to believe it wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. You know that you get into this very black and white. But that's not to say that there isn't science out there. That there there's an ability and a process of being able to discover and to know, and that that is extremely useful. Natural law is science. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, it's the it's you know science is the experience of you know finding out what natural law is. You're learning to know. Um, but, you know, that doesn't, you know, obviously mean that anything that is labeled as science or from a scientist is automatically something that is face value. You know, that's another mm-hmm. kind of religious dogmatic belief there. Right. Um, well, it's peer-reviewed, so it must be 100% absolute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the FDA says no. <laughs> yeah. And then kind of as an offshoot from that where we're looking at the religion and the, you know, it, either it's spiritual or it's it's material, the, occult, the world of the occult is kind of some somewhere in between where, like, um, you know, uh, Christians tend to look at the occult as it's all dark-sided. It's dark-sided! Like that um, the God warrior lady, whatever, from you know, Life's yeah, um, that was literally her reaction was to the occult of, of saying like everything is dark sided. Like it, it, you know, seeing well if it's knowledge, then knowledge itself is a tool. Like I was saying before, where it it's right. only neutral until you you apply it in a, with a certain you know goal. Um, right. So you know that Christian mindset sees it all as evil inherently. It's not it's not to be tampered with. You know God doesn't want us to. The, you know I've heard this from my family. You know God doesn't want us to uh, to dabble in dark sided stuff. Like you just need your God and your 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 Bible and that's all you need. Well, and then you know the atheistic nihilistic perspective too will look at the occult kind of on the flip side where. It's like it's all just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, almost like it's another form of spirituality, where they just kind right. of, again, write it off as, well, that just seems like some Harry Potter nerd shit to me. Like, I don't, you know, <laughs> I'm good with my science and, you know, mm-hmm. not, you yeah. know, it's black and white, very black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's definitely another, another huge subject that, you know, I, I, uh, we very much see people, as a general rule, tend to, you know, maybe go to like one of those extremes, you know, and not really understand that, you know, occult knowledge, like it's, you know, it's, it's knowledge. So it's neutral. It's the, the will that is behind those actions that determines whether or not that is being used in alignment with cosmic law or something that is a violation of cosmic law that's causing harm and violating other sovereignty. 
Um, you know, the next really one that we kind of wanted to look at here um, that, you know, people, you know, might, you know, get a little triggered on is, uh, you know, body image and health. Um, you know, this is something people will tend to take, you know, very uh, tend to lean into different extremes or polarities on this of, you know, some being where like that's all they care about, um, you know, obviously, and that they, you know, anything that, you know, isn't the perfect body image, then that's, you know, disgusting or whatever, you know, kind of that extreme mindset. Or there's the other extreme where people, uh, they're kind of in this mindset of, oh, you should just uh, love yourself no, no matter what. You know, and, and it's not to say that you should ever be self-loathing or hate yourself or things like that, but you should be honest with yourself that if your body is at a, a state where it's not healthy, if you have an issue, um, you need to look at that. You know, like if I had cancer and I'm just keep telling myself, oh, you know, I'm perfect the way I am, it's probably not going to play out for me so fucking well. Um, you know, you, you, there's, there's sometimes where you have to be honest and look at that, and, it's, and then you don't have to go into a total shaming of yourself but looking and being willing to take actions to, you know, to find that, <clears throat> that balance of self-love, but also working to improve, um, you know, is, is something to look at, you know, uh, right. would you like to kind of riff on that one for a second, Logan? Absolutely. Um, you know, what's coming up for me there, Brian, is that, <clears throat> um, you know, this is one of those times where the intention behind the, some, you know, the thing really is the determining factor. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you, when, when you're dealing with something that's literally an immoral action, it's not the intentions that matter. It's what was actually done. You know, a cop that thinks he's a good guy and he's saving the day, but he's just following an order and he's actually initiating harm against an, you know, that their intentions is, 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 um, absolutely irrelevant. Yeah. Right. But in this, uh, dynamic, we can see how, you know, this like gym obsession sort of thing could be coming from actually a place of self-loathing where, they, they hate themselves so much that they are measuring their own self-worth and, and worthiness of love and acceptance of themselves by their physical state. So every little mm. piece of cellulite they see, they're like, oh, it's disgusting. Do more sit-ups and just make sure it's perfect, you know, like coming from that place of scarcity and, uh, mm. you know, self-loathing. As opposed to if you, you want to look at the other side of it where <clears throat> true health can be an expression of self-love where if you are in a state of being unhealthy and you know uh, it's not just about the looks it's it's the looks again uh, law of correspondence if you look unhealthy if you're overweight you know this or that that is a physical manifestation of a spiritual or psychological problem right. that so that lo- that self-loathing, that that unwellness is manifesting in your physical body through stress, through you know it, all these sort of things, yeah. and you're eating unhealthy. Um, that's that's manifesting. So to truly heal and then begin to truly love yourself completely is yes to accept yourself exactly as you are, but then also you love yourself so much that you want to be the best version of yourself. If you you know like take take yourself out of the picture. Brian, if your son was unhealthy, you would want your your love for him would would facilitate you wanting to buy him the the best quality oh, yes. food. And Absolutely, food. that's why we, that's already you the know, case. 
you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> you love him, so you want him to be the best, happiest, healthiest yeah, man myself. Or yeah. <laughs> you want to take care of him in that way and let him become that. So you just apply yeah. that same logic to yourself. It all, you know, in fact, it has, it has to start with you first. Every relationship that you have is a projection of mm -hmm. your relationship you have with yourself. So you've got to get yeah. yourself correct first. Um, so, you know, it, to put it very simply, um, true self-love leads to uh, a healthy vessel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, uh, let's see, what was, there was something there I had, but I lost it, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the next one we wanted to look at here was kind of the uh, this whole black and white um, stance that people can take with criminals, you know, that... You yes. know, um, obviously, anyone, you know, if a person's, like, stuck in a, a, a mindset of statism, that anyone's labeled a criminal, that they're, you know, they're not a good person or they're immoral because they break the law. Um, mm -hmm. And there's, on the flip side, maybe, like, in the anarchist circles where they think that every person that's, like, breaking the law, you know, and it, obviously, you know, this is just for people mm -hmm. going to an extreme as an example and observation, but where anyone breaking the law that, you know, oh, that, you know. It must have been a victimless uh, crime basically right, or, or, or something like that because you know there's obviously people out there that are breaking laws that are you know laws really? both within the government but also laws that are you know some of them are in you know a line of a natural law like not murdering someone not raping people those are things right. that pedophiles it, things like that yeah, you know you find that in both uh both systems so um you know there there's definitely like a, a nuance there to be seen that um not just flipping, you know, and, and again, I think a lot of that can go back down to the fact that that terminology, uh, depending on who is looking at it and what lens they're looking at that through, you know. Which side of the brain they're looking at it through, really. Right, exactly, you know, and, and yeah. you know, getting back to looking at, you know, if someone is a, you know, what actually constitutes a criminal or is someone actually making a violation of someone's rights or their sovereignty, um, you know, and, and things like that. So I think that's a, another little interesting area we can we can look at. Um, yeah, and a matter of fact, mm -hmm. um, that actually kind of made me think of another little, like, offshoot of that um, just now, and, and that's the, the idea of homelessness, where it's another mm -hmm. word, very black and white, where people either, when they see a homeless person, they oftentimes either assume um, – you know, that person just, they're just, uh, you know, some drug addict or alcoholic and they, they probably just fucked their life up and they, they deserve to be in that situation. They brought that on themselves or whatever. Um, or that, oh, the poor thing, like, you know, let me go give them some money and, and help them out. And mm -hmm. I'm not, again, I'm not saying don't, don't help them. Or, or, but it, it's this idea of you're putting blanket statements on homeless people where they're either all like a bunch of drug addicts you know, uh, alcoholic, deadbeat, lazy, whatever, don't want to get a job, whatever, or, oh, they, they're just the poor and suffering rejects of society and, mm. and just a poor victim of the, the system, and, you know, they didn't deserve that, which, you know, both cases are true in, in a lot of uh, I uh, Having kind of had this experience of having been a traveler and done the whole homeless thing for a while with the backpack. One of the things, uh, big kind of false awesome stuff I see of people is that they assume that everybody out there is homeless is out there because they don't want to be. You know, right. there's a large amount of travelers that they're out there just because that's where they want to be. They, and they feel free. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a really cool lifestyle. Like when I was 
technically homeless, that's when I felt the most at home, you know, because I, I felt like, I, you know, the whole world was my home. I just went around, you know, where, wherever I wanted, and it was because I chose and I wanted to have that experience. Um, right. But uh, I remembered what I was wanting to say about the whole, uh, you know, tying with the body image or, you know, yeah. looking at ignoring something in your body. And this is something I've had personal experience with, and maybe a lot of people out there will be able to relate to. Uh, and a big one is back pain, you know, so from the shamanic uh, perspective, you know, you may be experiencing, you know, if you see or you're feeling yourself experience a lot of back pain or tension and things like that, that that's a surefire sign that you're holding on to stress, you're holding on to tension, that there's unconscious emotions and things that you are suppressing. And I know, you know, in my own experience, my back pain got really, really horrible until I started actually looking at and acknowledging uh, the things I was, you know, that were giving me those problems. And as soon as I started doing that, it started going away. So, you know, if I, if I have this issue going on my, in my body, but, you know, I'm, you know, kind of ignoring it and saying that, you know, or just accepting it like, oh, yeah, that's just my genetics or that's just, you know, whatever, the, those problems uh, won't ever get fixed or addressed. So, you know, the, the greatest act of self-love would be to actually look at that honestly and then take steps towards repairing it, you know. Mm, absolutely. So uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's all the points that we had covered. Yeah. Obviously, there's there's so many more of these. Like for a long time. time. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But those are kind of the big ones that stood out to us. That you know I think are very common, and um, you know uh, we we notice a lot. But really, the thing is, we wanted to really stress this concept here because it's not just something that's fun to talk about, or you know intellectual masturbation for us to sit there and unpack this because this type of thinking really is, is um, setting us up to be more easily controlled and manipulated. You know, it's like that concept that we talked about with the, uh, the parasites and the terrain modification in a recent right. episode yeah. is, you know, uh, being caught in these dialectical mindsets is like, um, how did I put that? It's it's like having you know a an environment that's primed, and it's like putting fertilizer for weeds, basically. Like you're 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 setting yourself up mentally. You're setting your mental landscape for the manipulation, the mind control that's already rampant to easily take take hold and push your buttons and flip the levers and switches inside your brain. And, and they know this, like, full right. well and are constantly exploiting people who are getting caught. It's a cosmic in, law, the law of polarities. I mean, it's, it's there. Yes. So as long as you're aware of it, you know, uh, play, you know, playing on that with people who aren't aware of it, it's very easy. So it's that's why it's so fucking important to become aware of this within yourself. You have to know thyself, and then you can start recognizing this outside of yourself within society and, and looking at how these things play out. Yes, absolutely. So, um, you know, that's, again, that's why we're, we're stressing this so much because it's, it's so important. And again, we're, we're not just sitting from this high horse of holier than thou, like, you know, we get caught up in this stuff too. And we'll, we'll be talking stuff out and realize like, maybe I have been a little bit dogmatic and, right. and black and white in my thinking, and maybe I need to kind of not change my position because that would just be another pendulum swing. But 
add some caveats, add some nuance in there, and and enrich my perspective to be a little bit more real world, you know, to encompass the the gradient of gray in there and mm. stuff. So, you know, Brian, did you have anything to uh, to add into these? You know, the the conclusion? no, no, really. You know, I, I think that's great. Like, you know, just again to remind people that you know we encourage you to continue to question this yourself and and to look at you know this kind of concept in every situation, every area of your life, and ask yourself, am I taking this black and white stance on things? Am I looking at the nuance and things? Um, and where could I, you know, maybe find a little bit of balance? Uh, right. That's, that's where we're really all about is to bring ourselves into alignment, you know, with our true core essence so we can start. Matter of fact, I'm sorry. Yeah, matter of fact, uh, let's, uh, I'd like to encourage the, the listeners here. If you're, th if you think of another concept, drop it in the comments below. Let's like, yeah, you know, absolutely. Discussion going and, and, um, bring more, more of this stuff to light so that we can all share the information and everything. And of course, if you've, you know, enjoyed this content, uh, of course, don't, you know, don't hesitate to, uh, subscribe, but also it, Clicking that like button allows our channel to grow quicker, which in turn mm -hmm. is going to be allowing uh, this message to spread more. So, you know, don't yeah, and we're on, I guess, enough to say that, you know, we want to be successful, you know. So we, we want your likes and we want your comments and your subscriptions and you to hit that little bell and get notified when all of our new content comes out. Every, every Friday night, dropping new ones. And yes, uh, yes, we want that, and no, that does not make us greedy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, but, you know, so uh, if, if anybody isn't familiar with, um, if they go out, you know, look at, uh, obviously, uh, joining uh, the Wizard Factory Inner Sanctum page on Facebook, uh, we also have a, a free initiation package that you can find there, uh, and then we'll drop the link below in the video here as well. That you can mm -hmm. click on that free initiation package. All if all you do is sign up for a quick email, uh, and then that will you'll get a link uh, that gives you um, everything you need to download that video series where we get into teaching some of the fundamental uh, steps and foundations of learning to do ritual and breath work. Uh, you know, from the you know in our specific tradition that we teach here. Um, right. We this also is a very announcement. Oh, this very very in-depth um, video series we put together, absolutely free. You know, like uh, so many of these free download email sign-up packages or whatever, you get some dinky little, um, you know, PDF or whatever. Like this is a video series that Brian and I spent probably a month making. It's what about half an hour long, I think, and you get these three yeah. very powerful, uh, instantly usable. Um, you know, techniques that you can, you know, we still use, Brian and I, it, uh, and the same thing. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, um, absolutely. really good value there. And then, um, yes, we're going to uh, go ahead and, and mention the, the Phoenix package, which is our, our first paid content, which is another video series that takes some of that foundational knowledge that we share in the, uh, the toolbox in the initiation uh, package but really goes even more in depth. And this is something that's going to really shake up. I mean, you, you know, you want to be ready before you do this stuff because it's really going to yeah. break up that stagnant energy and, and bring in some new stuff. And, you know, it may not always be the most pleasant at first, but it's always clearing space for new, uh, fresh uh, things to come in. And that's, you know, that's always a good thing. Again, as we always say, stagnation is death. So if you want the anti-stagnation pill, that's that's what we're bringing in this video. So check that out. We'll also um, for that one, 
go ahead and just email us at the it, in the link below contact at the wizardfactory.com and that that will uh we will go from there about you know hooking you up with that one so Brian, what else we got? We got. Uh, let's see. As always, we you know also offer you know uh, individual consultations both in Vedic astrology, uh, nine world room readings as arsenosis, and also personal adaptive coaching. Just for you know, if you're just needing someone to be able to reflect back, maybe some of your you know what you're not seeing, what you're unconscious of, and then you know um, help maybe set you up with a little bit of guidance in areas of relationship, career, personal growth, whatever it may be. Uh, you can contact us about anything. Um, and From then, a natural law perspective, we use right. that in, yes. as a absolutely. foundation That's for everything game. that we're often, yes. Right, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. You know, so if you're interested in that, also, you know, send us an email there about uh, looking into those consultations. Uh, but that's going to, you know, wrap this episode up, unless there's anything else, uh, Logan, you have? I think that's it, man. Um, I appreciate everyone, each and every one of you who supports us and who uh, continues to share our videos. It means the world to us, and you know we de we definitely want to just keep continuing to grow. We have very big things, very very big things very planned big. for the Wizard Factory that we'll be slowly, um, you know, bringing to light over the next several months as well. So you know, by all means, subscribe and and uh, stay posted on this journey because it's going to be really awesome and. Um, we're, you know, we, we want to share that journey with you as well. So until next week with the new episode, this, uh, that's going to conclude tonight. So until then, be empowered, inspired, and encouraged. Thank you for listening to the Wizard Factory Podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week as we continue to explore deeper understanding of the universe and ourselves.